following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're with us. We're continuing this Riches series. And as we continue that this morning, I want to start off telling you a little story about Martin Luther, my Uncle Marty, if you will. So Martin Luther, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a man who, you know, we as a Lutheran church owe a lot of our heritage to. He was a monk back in Germany, back in the day, and he came across the church teaching a lot of things that as he read scripture, he said, hey, I think these things are off. They're not right. And his battle started what we know as the Reformation, where he came in and, and we call him a three solas. We call them the three solas because in Latin, sola means alone. So the three solas, which is uh, sola fide, sola gratia, sola scriptura. So it's um, faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone. To say, hey, these are the things that teach us, that inform us, and that grace alone is number one. Faith leads us to that grace, and the scripture brings us to that point. Now, Luther struggled throughout his life to understand what that meant. And in fact, the, the story goes that on his deathbed, or as he was getting close to the end of life, he uttered a, a phrase in German, Wir sind alle better, which simply translates as, the truth is, we are all beggars. And I want to take that idea. We are all beggars, and think on that for a minute. Because every week, we confess our sins. And I love, you know, Matt led us into confession this morning with that, uh, come thou fount, with that great line of, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Do you ever feel that way? That uh, Paul writes, and he'll say, the things, the good I want to do, I don't do that. But that bad stuff, you know, here I go, right? Like, that's what happens is sometimes we are prone, not sometimes, a lot of times, we are prone to follow ourselves. We're prone to leave that God we love and turn inward. And so much so that when Luther says, truly, we are all beggars, what he is saying is that our sin makes us beggars. We are begging the forgiveness of God. There's nothing else we could do but sit on the street corner and hold out a cup and say, Lord, I need your grace. I need it in my life. Now, what happens oftentimes, and we can see sometimes in our own psyche, in our own culture, is, is we then start to invent what I'll call woe is meisms. Woe is me isms, right? Which is, woe is me, everything goes wrong. I did it not 40 minutes ago. We were setting up this morning, and one of our cameras wasn't working. And literally out of my mouth came, why does this always happen? I just wish once it would work. It was a camera. It wasn't working. It wasn't a big deal. So that's like, that's entry-level woe is meism, right? But so often we look around us 
And we build these, woe is me. Everything's going wrong. Nothing's right. We seek out and label things as persecution. How could, how could this happen to me? Look at, Lord, I've followed you. How could this happen to me? Or something doesn't go this our way. How does this happen to me? And so we take this idea of we are all beggars, and instead of saying, there's nothing I can do, so I reach out to God and beg his forgiveness. No, we, we take it and we say we are beggars. We are worthless. Because everything's going wrong. And so then when things go wrong, we feel like we sin deeper. And so our begging becomes looking at ourselves and it becomes this cyclical thing where we look into ourselves and we see nothing good because what we want is to follow Jesus. And then we look and we go, woe is me, everything's falling apart. Uh, and then we go, oh no, that's my fault. And I'm a terrible, horrible person. And we get caught in this idea and we get lost and we let these lies begin to just kind of entrench in us that the woe is me leads to a place where beggars become horrible people and we are them. But I would argue that Luther's idea, as he says, we are all beggars, falls into a tension. And that tension is one that actually last night I was texting with my mom. Just some of the things I was struggling with and some of my own personal anxieties and fears. And she sent me a text of something that really hit me hard. And um, so it was this image. And this image is of Yosemite Valley. But the words on it are trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And it was so poignant and powerful for me. That trust in the Lord. Trust in Him and what He's done. Not only because of what it was, but because of my own memories of Yosemite Valley. When I was a kid, we got to take a trip to Yosemite. And Yosemite is just, there are reasons, there are pictures of it everywhere. There are reasons it's talked about so much because the beauty of Yosemite Valley is incredible. I've been to a lot of national parks. I've, I've been to the Smokies. I've been to Grand Canyon. I've been to Big Bend. and I love them all. But there's something about Yosemite Valley that to me felt a little bit more, those other, and don't hear me knocking those others, but there's something about Yosemite Valley that to me personally, I looked out across it and thought, this is the garden. When we look back and we say God creates and it is perfect for me, the image that sparks in my mind is Yosemite Valley these towering mountains alongside you, this picturesque river valley. And that's 
where my brain goes is to this moment and I look around and I go, this is the glory of God. This is the creator in all of his power in everything that he has done. And you look out across Half Dome and El Capitan and the forests and the waterfalls and you say, this, this is what the garden might be like someday. This is the glory of God on display. Now listen, I have felt that in all those other places too. I felt it in Big Bend at the Grand Canyon and the Smoky Mountains. I felt it on the Boundary Waters in Minnesota. I felt it on the West Coast. I felt it on the East Coast and all kinds of places in between where you see the glory of the Creator on display. And I think we all have had moments like that where we look out at creation and say, this is the glory of God. Look at what he has done. And I want to read to you again, though, that glory of God. Let me read to you our Ephesians passage again. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, and he says, I want God to dig deep into the storehouses of heaven, into his own glory, and I want him to so pour it out upon you that you would begin in a minuscule fashion to understand the love he has for you. That, that it is unknowable, but I would hope that you could see a piece of it, the height and breadth given to you in faith through Jesus, that it surpasses everything. You see that, that deep intake you take when you see a beautiful vista, when you stand on the edge of the canyon, when you walk in to Yosemite Valley, when you stand at the foot or in the window in Big Bend, when you drive the roads of the Great Smoky Mountains, when you sit on the beach and listen to the waves, that is how God feels about you. You see, this awe and this wonder, this unsurpassing love, he has that for you. When he sees glory, when he sees it poured out, he looks at creation and he says, humanity is my crowning achievement. That he pours that on you. Now, the reason why is because of Jesus. Listen to these words again. May you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love 
of Christ that surpasses knowledge that may be filled with all the fullness of God, that you are rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. You see, the glory of God is that he loves us because of what Jesus has done. That when he dug deep and poured out the storehouses of heaven, he found his greatest treasure, his son. And he gave all of his glory to him and his son came for us and we are rooted and grounded in a love like no other. That Jesus would come for us. Paul ends this prayer in Ephesians 3 by saying this, Now to him, the Father, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power of at work within us. Let's look at that. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. What have you asked for lately? What have you gone to God and said, Lord, I don't know how it will happen, but give more abundance than I could anticipate. Now let's make sure we're walking tension, right? When we ask abundance, we know that he gives it in his way. That when we ask abundance, it's not us going, Lord, give to me abundantly. Give me the numbers for the Powerball. <clears throat> I need those mega millions. But if you win, let's talk about how you tithe on that. But that's not the abundance. The abundance is a life rooted and grounded in love, and it changes how we see everything. It changes how things look because Paul ends this prayer by saying, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Paul is saying, let that glory poured out in Jesus become glory in his church, but that glory does not glorify itself, but instead it glorifies the Savior. It glorifies him who brings the glory to us. And that amen at the end is truly an emphatic, and it means truly, I mean this, this is what it's about. And so he is saying, forever and ever, may this truly be so, that the church generation after generation would be the glory of Christ, bringing glory to his name. So the tension that we live in is that the words are true. Vir sind alla betla. We are all beggars. We are all people who look at ourselves and at our lives and we say we are prone to wander and we hold out our hands and say, Lord, I need grace. I need forgiveness. But you see, at the same time, that grace and forgiveness is immediately given. And as it is given to you, immediately the glory of God dwells in you because the Son has given you the Spirit who dwells in you. And so on the one hand, when we are a broken people looking and saying, Lord, we need forgiveness, in that same moment, we are bought and grounded and rooted in the love of Jesus for us. That we don't need to be a people afraid. We don't need to be a people filled with anxiety. We are a people rooted and grounded in love from a Savior. 
Now that doesn't wipe everything away. It doesn't fix it immediately. Not everything becomes perfect. It's not all, you know, tulips and sunshine. But what it is, is that as we walk in this world, our identity is rooted in that we are all beggars. But the glory of God has come for us. We are rooted and grounded in love to the glory of God, that his glory is bestowed on us. So here's the tension I, I, I give to you, this beautiful, mysterious tension. Yes, you are a sinner in need of grace. And at the same time, you are a saint bought at a price that you live and dwell in that glorious identity. Don't let your sin drag you to a place where you say, I'm worthless. Don't let your pride try and pull you to a place that says, look at how great of a Christian I am. Instead, live in that amazing tension that says, I am a beggar in need of grace and I was given it. I was given the grace I needed. That as we look out upon the glory of creation, as we look at the Yosemite valleys, the big bends, the great smoky mountains, the enchanted rocks, the Garner State Parks, the Gulf Coast, wherever it is, when we look at the glory and the goodness of what God created, we look and we say, His glory the glory of the God who created all of this was given to me. So I trust in him. I trust in the Lord. Because he has given to me so greatly. My identity is as a beggar on the streets of heaven. That every grace I ask for is given. that the glory of God is not some far off thing, but instead it is given to us. And so we live in peace and in joy because the glory of God is that he would save beggars who simply ask, Lord, I am in need. Rejoice with me that the glory of God would come for us. Live with your identity deeply rooted and grounded in that love so that you may see the breadth, the height, the width of the love that Jesus has for you. Amen.